the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. There was some shocking news from the Netherlands about this populist nationalist movement. We saw it in Argentina. Is it also happening in the Netherlands? Joining us now is Eva Vladingerbrook. Eva, welcome to the program. You've been uh, covering the story for quite some time. Did the Netherlands shock the world? (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Netherlands shocked the Netherlands, I guess, with this... uh, with this election result, nobody saw it coming. It was an absolute landslide victory for Geert Builders. And uh, I cannot stress like how big this is for Dutch standards. He won by a large margin. We have a very scattered political landscape. And the PVV is, uh, as you said, a, a nationalist, populist, right-wing party that has been, well, I mean, Geert Builders has been a political outlier for as long as he's had this party, so for about 17 years and uh, they're they're labeled as far right, you know, fascist, Nazis, you know the whole you know the whole spiel. And now uh, one in four Dutch people went out to vote for the far right. So have we shocked the world? Absolutely. So what what do you think are the main factors driving this? I've known of Geert for quite some time, and they try to put him into political irrele- irrelevancy for years. He's too fringe. He's this, but he never gave up. So kind of walk us to the background and what are the events or the issues that contributed to this shock election? Well, the number one issue is immigration. So Geert Wilders is a staunch anti-immigration politician. He's taken this stance uh, basically on his own for the past 20 years. He's uh, criticized Islam heavily. He said that, well, the Netherlands, you know, should be Netherlands first uh, and uh, the Dutch should come first. And he's he's in favor of closing the borders. He's in favor of the Dutch equivalent of a Brexit. So our Nexit. And uh, he has really paid a very high price for his criticism uh, on Islam specifically. He has bodyguards following around for, well, the entire day. He can't go anywhere by himself. There have been multiple fatwas issued against his life. So this is a man truly with skin in the game when it comes to his, uh, his points of view on immigration. And I think that the majority of the Dutch people, you know, have had an, a more anti-immigration stance, I would say, than the VVD, the ruling party. Uh, has had, and they've been in power for the past 30 years. So it, it, it almost seemed like enough was enough, you know, and especially with the events of October 7th and uh, all the, the rallies that we've seen in Europe where lots of people came out waving Taliban flags, waving Al-Qaeda flags. I think that ha- that has kind of like awoken the masses to the fact that this integration process that we had been promised for the longest time was actually a lie. Yeah, so did the Dutch farmer story contribute to this as well? Tell us about that, Eva, because you've been covering that extensively. Yes, absolutely. So Geert Wilders and I shared a stage back in March when the farmers' protests were going on. He's taken a stance against the expropriation of our farmers. He's vowed 
that he would go uh, and get rid as, as well as he could of all the nitrogen policies, both on a national and an international level, because most of it's coming from the EU anyway. And like I said, he's in favor of an exit, right? So again, uh, Geert Wilders has really taken a stance for the Dutch farmers. And, uh, and I know for a fact that that has played a huge role in, uh, in his victory now. A lot of people really were done with Rutte, Mark Rutte, our former prime minister, and his globalist agenda. And uh, Geert Wilders, a staunch nationalist, somebody who's, uh, who's yeah, really stood up for the ordinary Dutch citizen, so to say, and also for the farmers, it has definitely, definitely contributed to his win. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So there's, it's an interesting deal, right? Because the Netherlands is is supposed to be kind of one of the ruling countries of the European project. You have The Hague, you have Amsterdam, which is the model city. And this is not supposed to happen, right? Netherlands is supposed to sit down and obey and kind of just do the German guilt thing, right? Which is, you know, let our country be destroyed by a bunch of Middle Eastern Muslim Arabs. Kind of talk about the typical Dutch political temperament and how it changed with this last election. Because from my experience, this has been a series of elections over the last couple of decades where you've seen mass migration, you've seen some issues, but that kind of high society European sensibility is really hard to break through. Walk through some of the psychology that played into this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Specifically, like the Dutch landscape, um, we, like I said, have a very scattered political landscape. There are lots of small parties uh, one of the uh, most used proverbs here in the Netherlands is, oh, just behave normally, then you're already acting crazy enough. You know, yes. in that sense, we are nothing like the French. You know, we don't go out to protest uh, every chance that we get. We are people that are very open to compromise. And I would say that that is, you know, in, the, in a functioning, healthy society, in a homogenous society where people share the same values, the same culture, the same identity, the same religion, that is a good thing, you know, to be open to compromise on smaller details. But when you are being manipulated by uh, people that you never elected, you know, the European Union uh, produces the majority of our laws and European law has supremacy over national laws in the Netherlands. Well, then that, you know, that spirit of compromise is just one that is going to shoot you right in the foot, right? So I feel like, the Dutch, having now gone out in these vast numbers and voting for a party that has been ridiculed, demonized, you know, smeared and labeled as far right is really, really big. It shows you that the intimidation game of calling us all of those things 
has lost its power. And I didn't see it coming, to be honest. You know, I, I really didn't think that we would win uh, or that this party would win by 37 seats. Uh, and the BVD has now gone down by more than 10 seats. That's, you know, it's astonishing. And, and well, it, I guess it shows you that the silent majority is not so silent anymore. So if things can change in Holland, I think things can change everywhere. So it's a country of 17 million people. Walk through what portions of the country voted differently than they did in years past. I'm sure the countryside, the more rural areas were in favor of, of Geert, but where where did you see things change? Was there some change in Rotterdam or Amsterdam, some of the exurbs? Where did you materially see some flipping and what do you think the driving of that flip was? The PVV won basically everywhere except for in Amsterdam, which is like not surprising. You know, I love Amsterdam. I was born there. It's a wonderful city, but it's uh, absolutely dominated by the communists, uh, I would say. And um, well, the fact that they won in all the other major cities, even in a city like Rotterdam, that is, well, very has a very high population of people with an immigrant background, is uh, something that the left is absolutely astonished by. They're like, how on earth is this possible? How on earth... That we uh, that we have so many people with an immigration background actually vote for Hild Wilders. Well, probably because they are seeing the same issues that we are seeing, you know. And and even the people who've come here uh, somewhat recently are not exactly happy with the fact that the borders have been wide, wide open, and they have noticed the neighborhoods becoming more and more unsafe, more and more dirty. Uh, and it's 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 something that we again didn't expect. But even in immigrant groups, Hild Wilders is quite popular. So the do you think he, there's actually a chance he'll become prime minister and he can form a government? Yeah, so this is a tricky part always because Gerd Wilders' party has been excluded from coalition formation uh, for the past 17 years. They only did it once with a minority coalition uh, because all the other moderate uh, quote-unquote parties on the right always said that he was too far right. And so now the VVD, Mark Rutte's uh, former party, is again trying to obstruct efforts of creating a true right-wing coalition against the will of their own voter base. Uh, they've said, well, we've lost so many votes this time, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate if we take a seat in government, which is a ridiculous lie. You know, they've they've had previous elections where they lost a lot of votes and they definitely did not uh, shy away from ruling the, the country back then. So it's, again, just a way to obstruct Geert Wilders. Will they get away with it this time? I am not sure, because even their own electorate wants them to rule with the PVV. So we'll have to see how this process goes. I mean, I do expect it to be dragged out for a long time. Uh, and I, I do expect them to take, well, again, a lot of steps to to try and obstruct every single effort they possibly uh, can use to, to, to prevent a true right-wing coalition from happening. But if they do that, mm, let, let me put it diplomatically, I don't think the Dutch people will be very happy with that. Eva, stay right there. We're going to talk about Ireland as, as Europe really starts to reject these mass migration trends. It's amazing what is happening in the West right now. I don't I guess Argentina is the West-ish, but Argentina, the Netherlands, and now Ireland. Eva Vladerdingerbrook continues with us. Eva, what's happening in Ireland? Walk the details. This was largely covered up in Western media unless you were on Telegram or social media. Yeah, it, I mean, again, something that we see all the time in Europe, to be honest. There was a, a migrant who went about and, uh, and targeted women and children and stabbed a few and injured uh, a, a young girl, I think, of five years old. It's very seriously, I think she's still fighting for her life. 
And this is something that is not new, you know, in, in, in Europe. You wouldn't ever hear about it in the media. But we see uh, targeted stabbings, uh, rapes, murders of uh, young children, young girls, uh, also elderly people by immigrant groups uh, in, in Europe all the time. And uh, the Irish have said enough and they have gone out to protest in a, again, I think a very, uh, you know, un-European fashion. But I'm very, very happy to see that some people are finally standing up against the invasion of our continent, against the, well, sacrifice, I guess, of our people uh, on the altar of mass migration. And I mean, you have this one Irish prime minister who vowed to change a very white country. And so is it possible, Eva, that we're seeing in the Netherlands, in other countries, potentially even France as well, it it looks as if, you know, that there's like a 40 to 45 percent populist nationalist contingent in France that just doesn't die. I mean, the 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 European story and Douglas Murray wrote a great book on this called The Strange Death of Europe is about 10 years ago, where he says post-World War Two that. Europe was saddled with guilt and they had to try to figure this out. So basically in the last 20 years, there's been this unprecedented mass Arab Muslim migration. And are we just finally starting to see the political response to that? But is it too late? Well, it is definitely too little. If it is too late, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, yes, Europe has been, I would say, invaded by hordes of migrants who do not respect our national identity, culture, religion, all of that, as I just said. And not just have they been invaded, they've been actively imported by our establishment, right? This was all done willfully, all done to destroy our social fabric. And now there is a large group that is finally waking up. And like I said, the intimidation game seems to have lost its power. You know, the uh, the the white guilt, the, the story of the Second World War being used against people who had nothing to do with that. You know, all of that has kind of lost its power. They've tried to label us as Nazis, fascists, you know, far-right extremists for such a long time. But there is a point where you're thinking, okay, well, if I criticize the uh, demographic change that we are seeing right now. If I criticize the fact that so many young kids, uh, that so many women, that so many people are increasingly unsafe, are being stabbed in broad daylight in Europe, and that is not something that used to happen before. You know, we need to hold those people accountable. Well, then I'll just, I guess I'll just take the label far right. And I think that that is finally happening in Europe because people cannot really unsee, you know, the consequences of mass migration anymore. A f- final question here. Connect this to the Great Reset World Economic Forum. Davos is meeting soon. I think all of this is a people-led response to the World Economic Forum. No carbon emissions, no fossil fuels. Brussels, the whole deal. Final thoughts, Eva? Yes. Well, all of these unelected bureaucrats have opened our borders and nobody ever wanted it. Nobody voted for it. And uh, like I said, I think that was a willful decision to destroy the social fabric in Europe. If you can uproot a people, you know, if you can destroy their national identity, if you can flood their nations with immigrants, if you can uh, change their demographics to such a degree that they don't even recognize their own country anymore, what happens? People get confused. People get uprooted. You know, people are easy to control. And I think that that is exactly what the globalists have wanted to create. Mindless consumers, you know, who have nothing, no um, landmarks, I guess, you know, to hold on to anymore. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be successful at that because I think there's still some fighting spirit left in Europe. Yeah, if uh, Ireland 
and the Netherlands are any indicator. America is going to have a very interesting 2024. Eva, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.